Welcome to the Transformation Leaders Podcast. I'm Tony Lockwood and I'm delighted that you could join me on this latest episode. Each episode takes the form of a discussion with a leader who openly shares their experiences of leading organisations through the transformation journey. Today I'm delighted to be joined by David Estin Jones. After a career in the military, David moved into retail before transitioning into the world of change and transformation. Those early careers have influenced his approach in supporting both large and small organisations on the journey of transformation. I'm sure that you're going to enjoy this episode, especially David's view on leadership. Let me introduce you to David now. Hi, David. Uh, welcome to the Transformation Leaders podcast. It's, it's great to have you on. Um, let's start, as we always do, by introducing yourself a little bit about your background and, more importantly, how you first got into change and transformation. Well, hi, Tony, and, and firstly, thanks very much for asking me on the, the pod. I'm very excited to be here. Um, so I'm David Estin-Jones. I'm, um, I'm an interim consultant at the moment, and I've been doing that for the last seven years, which means I get to, to work on a variety of different projects, different clients. Um, and, and, yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting career. Uh, going back, I've got, a, a, I suppose, a, a, a fairly um, diverse CV, if you like. I started off after university as an army officer. Um, I left after 10 years, uh, went into retail, first in operations and then in, in project and program management. I then took about four years running a business out in the Middle East. Um, and when that finished, I, I came back and, and had a think about what I wanted to do. And, and, and that was, um, you know, when I, I started on my, my interim career and really when I've had the most exposure to change and transformation. But to, to answer the question, how did I get into that? I, I think I had a, um, I remember my mum always tells me that I had a, a school report when I was young that said, um, David loves problems. If, if there wasn't a problem to fix, he'd go out and, and make one. Um, <laughs> and, that's, and that's been something I've, I've always remembered because, it, you know, it's very true. You, you do all sorts of different roles in your life and some are operational. You've got different functions and, and particularly as an army officer, I did a, a bunch of different stuff. But, but the common thread was always I'd look at an organisation or a team and say, what are we trying to do and how can we do it better? And what do I need to change? What do I need to fix? Um, and that's really something that, that, that carried me all the way through. I think there's one particular moment, though. I mean, military career is quite interesting because your career is managed for you very much. You, 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 know, you, are, you are sent to different places to do different things and you have some choice, but there's a lot of... Um, a lot of it is, is done for you, if you like, in terms of your postings. When you leave that very much, you, you are on your own and it's purely down to what you, you decide to do. Um, and as I say, I started in retail. I used to run um, supermarkets and, and regions of, of stores as well. Um, and that was OK. It was really interesting. It was it was hard work and, and I got my head down and, and, and pushed through it. Um, but there was a moment when um, I had a chat with my boss at the time who said, um, who identified probably that that wasn't really what I was going to be, be, be good at, but um, not be good at, but where I'd excel. And he mentioned that there was a, a, a team that was recruiting, which was a store development team, and, and they built new stores, they, they revamped stores, they, they you know, knocked old ones down and, and put them back up again and all that type of thing. Um, and he said, have you thought about project management? Um, and I'd, I'd probably always done that to an extent, but that was when it, you know, you put a name to it and then, and then I went and had a chat and, and 
won't say the rest is history, but that was a, a sort of major turning point in my career. And it was almost overnight from starting that, things started to make sense and I started to really enjoy it and, and, and then thrive and, you know, and grow from there, I guess. Oh, interesting. I, th- I think it is interesting just how many people almost fall into change and transformation by accident. Yes. Then once you're in it, it's, yeah. you know, you can't, there's no going back. Um, and, and, and I guess 20 years ago, probably people didn't talk about or not that many businesses talked about or organisations talked about change and transformation as such. Um, they might have talked about project management. They might have done change and transformation, but they didn't necessarily put a name to it. Um, so it's 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 definitely something that's grown. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we, we always start each pod um, asking one simple question. How do you define transformation? How do I define transformation? Well, I would say, I, I, I would highlight the difference between change, which, you know, change is a, is, is a pretty simple concept, something changes. Um, and transformation is more fundamental for me. It's when you take a, an organisation or an entity and, and you permanently change the, what it is, how it does things, uh, the way it operates. Um, so for me, it's far more than a gradual sort of slower process of improving and fixing things. It's saying, you know, today we're this and tomorrow we need to be something else because the world has changed or we need to take advantage of a new opportunity, whatever it is. So transformation is more fundamental. It's, it's probably a bit more scary for people. Um, and I think it's something whereas most organisations can deal with um, the more steady side of change some better than others transformation is something where there's 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 uh there's a lot more at stake yeah no absolutely and just going back to your introduction really and and how you how you came about being in change and transformation two distinct careers um in terms of military followed by retail both of yeah. um are really interesting i think in their own right lots of different moving parts some that you can control, some that you can't control. Yeah. Um, but what it'd be interesting just to explore what what elements do you think that you sort of um, that you took out of your military career that made uh, made a difference in your initially your retail career, but then moving forward within your uh, changing transformation career. That's a, yeah, that's a good question. I I think the the military is very good at teaching. Um, a number of things but but a couple of that I'd pick out one um one is about planning um and the ability to give somebody um an aim or an objective and then and then let them get on and work out how they're going to do it um so I think that that whole part about seeing a situation weighing up all the different factors and then working out what you're going to do I think is something the military actually puts a huge amount of time into to training, whether it's it's soldiers becoming junior NCOs um, as they move up the, the, the ladder, or, or in my case, the young officer going through Sandhurst and then subsequently it, your, your ability to do that and look at a problem and say, what are the different moving parts and how do we how do we get out of this or how do we push forward and, and achieve what we need to do? I think that's hugely important. And, and, and obviously that is something that when you come to, if we're talking project management, transformation, change, dealing with those sorts of things and planning through that is, is, is really important. So I think that's one thing. 
The other thing I'd say that the military is is very good at, at teaching is leadership. Um, and I you met plenty of um, great leaders in the army and, and plenty since, you know, plenty of great um, leaders um, in civilian life. But I think particularly when you've got uh, something that's stressful, something that involves change, um, your ability to lead um, really comes under scrutiny. Um, and I think it's useful to, to, to have that background. But particularly in a, in a few areas, certainly, you know, when people talk about leadership, I always think that the key part of it is being able to articulate a really clear and compelling vision of what you want to achieve. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about change and transformation, the ability to explain what it is you're trying to achieve and what the future stage is, I think is absolutely critical. So, you know, great management is one thing, but but if people have that vision in mind and they can see it and, and understand and buy into it, then actually any change or transformation initiative is, is going to be far more likely to succeed. So I would say those are the two things I always, I always bring with me. Yeah, it's interesting. We've had a couple of, uh, probably about three or four people now throughout the series that had a military background. And, and the sort of the consistency in, in, in answering that question is, is, is amazing. Um, but it, as you were just explaining and talking about the planning bit, um, what, what was going through my mind was that in reality, for, for, for you, obviously for, for many, many years at that planning aspect, you've, you've, you've had to operate in that agile sort of world. I suppose before any, anyone even mentioned agile planning or agile project management, that, that was your life, wasn't it? Because you can plan to a certain thing, but presumably once you're on the battleground, shit happens and, and you've just got to get on with it. Well, that's 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 the um, that, that's the old thing of of no plans rise contact with the enemy. Um, and yes, a, a, absolutely. I think um, so. And look, I, I'll be I'll, I'll be clear. I was um, I, I left the army in two thousand three, probably after you know a fairly um, quiet career in terms of of what I went and did. But but even so, it's the way that you're taught to to train and and, and operate. And what I the other thing and I was thinking about this the other day is is we tend not to overmanage, or, or certainly that's the way that we're taught. What, what happens in reality tends to change. But you know, you if you can bring great people into an organisation and train them well and give them clear direction, you then hopefully don't need to overmanage them because you know you're, you're pushing them in the right direction, yeah, and their training and their and their quality and all the rest of it will will keep them pushing along. So you don't need to do it for them. And I think actually on any project, if, if you've got people like that, who number one, you've, you've brought good people in, you've, you've trained them well, you've, you know, you've got a good strong ethos within the business. If you can point them in the right direction and support them and be clear on the direction, you don't then need to do. And, and I think that's the most, most effective way to, to lead and manage. I, I really do. Yeah, I agree. And there's a saying, isn't it, that the best leaders are those that get a team around them that are better than they are. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so many people feel that that's a threat to them and, 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 and don't follow that. But actually, it's, it's the biggest strength that you can have. And it, yeah. and it, makes, your, it makes your life a lot easier. For sure, yeah. I think, yeah, the ability to work with with experts and with and with people who know far more about a subject than you do, is is an interesting one because, as you say, some people do see that as a threat, um, whereas it absolutely shouldn't be. Yeah. 
So um, I, I was having a look at your LinkedIn profile earlier, and um, no, I, it, you describe yourself as helping clients to get shit done. I don't think <laughs> I think you, you 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 take out a couple of the letters, but I'm, I'm, I'm yes, that there is an asterisk. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so just tell me a little bit about what you mean uh, and what type of organisations do you typically work with, and what's been the main focus? Yeah. So um, what do I mean by that? I'd say. Um, so some of it just comes down to the approach. I, th I think it's as an interim, you you go into a company, you literally have a um, a fairly short window to add value. I think if you're not, you know, if you're not doing that in a, in a few days, then people will start to to question you always. And 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 that's just really my focus is is at the end of the day, we want to do stuff. They they want to do something, and you don't know what that thing is, but but there'll be the yeah um, there'll be all sorts of things they want to do, and that's that's my role is to help them do that so so hence the get shit done but um so that that really is is just a, a a focus on the way of working i'm not there to complicate anyone's life or slow things down or make things difficult i actually want to i want to be there to enable because that's why they've gotten into him in so i think it's always really useful to do that in in terms of the approach the other part of that i, I always say is, is about keeping things simple and I, I think that's the beauty of being um, of going in somewhere new and fresh is that there'll be bits you understand there'll be bits that you don't but as somebody coming in from outside you can take a, a fairly cold hard look at what's going on and quite often when you're in the weeds and you're very emotionally invested in something because it's your business or you it's your career and you're you know you've been there for years it, it's far far harder to be objective about it because you've got all this legacy of of you know emotional attachment and, and and information that that someone coming in from outside hasn't got so i think it's far easier in some ways to say once you understand the basics of what someone's doing to say well, actually, this bit you're worried about this, but this isn't the problem. This is this is fine. You should be worried about this bit, and you've got to think about X, Y, and Z. And, and so, that's really the approach I'd say in terms of, of going into an, or any organisation. Yeah, I think it's interesting, isn't it? I think the um, as an external interim consultant going in, you've got the real advantage of being able to go ask and, and ask all of the numpty questions. Um, uh, the questions that if you if you've got like five six years behind you in an organisation, yeah, you'll never ask because you probably ex that you probably expected to yeah, know the answer, um, and 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 it just allows the externals or, or those people who are prepared to ask those empty questions to get to the core issue really really quickly. Well, and and the key question I I always ask, which always sounds it, it can sound silly, but um, it is pretty important is um what are you trying to achieve um and i you have this all the time with yeah we want to do x y and z fine why what is it you're trying to achieve by doing all this and sometimes people might think they know but when you ask them to articulate that it sort of comes unstuck a little bit and it doesn't make sense um you know particularly um say for example i've been working with a business that that's um about a year ago it was growing rapidly um and clients come to them saying can you do xyz for us and and the natural inclination is yes of course okay so 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 why yes because actually you might that yes might be absolutely the wrong decision in this case because that extra piece of business might jeopardize everything else and might actually you know 
cause things to break. Not that you ever want to turn away business, but it might be absolutely the right decision. So what are you trying to achieve? And it might be less profitable by doing that because you're spreading yourself too thin and, and all the rest of it. So I think I think that's the um, you know the, the key question, which again, yeah, people on the inside don't don't always want to ask. They'll, they'll probably think they know it. It's funny you should mention that I'm working with an organisation at this moment in time, and, and we've just had exactly the same situation. They're on a trajectory of massive growth. Um, they've committed to um, a, a figure. Um, they've just brought in some investment um, and, and, and external investors, which brings in you know, the additional complications. And they've got this real quite big opportunity with this big global blue chip organization. Um, and we've sort of said, you've just got to say, no, the timing's not right for you because it would yeah. distract you from doing this stuff yeah. that you need to get done. Because if you don't do that, you're not going to have, you're not going to be at the, you're not going to get the platform to the stage it needs to be to, to achieve the, 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 the bigger, um, the, the, the bigger growth in years to come. And, and it is that ability to look at things in the cold light of day to say, let's stop and really make a decision, conscious decision on whether it's the right thing or not. And, and, and that external view, I think, yeah. has helped with them and, and, and it's helped so many times in organisations I've worked with. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you asked about the sort of clients I've worked with. I mean, the last seven years has been, it's been interesting because I've worked with everyone from a publisher. Um, I ran a, a car wash business in, in Europe, which was, which was interesting. Learned a lot about, um, learned a lot about how a, a, a car wash operates and, and some of the pitfalls. Um, I've worked with the retailer, manufacturer, distributors, um, various other people in between. For the last year, I've been working with a company that that um, it's a diagnostics business, so a, a sort of biotechnology business um, that that uh, saw an opportunity. It was a, a pretty small business, but then COVID came along and they they pivoted, took the opportunity, and started doing COVID testing. And and so that's really been my my life in various different ways for the last year, which has been absolutely fascinating a from a sort of operational and commercial um aspect but also because i've you know we've seen a, a massive um ramp up of of operations as as more and more people have required testing um and then and then now we're seeing the other side of it of actually how do you draw down a business um as the the requirements for covid testing um tends to go away so um a huge variety of different um uh, of different role um, and, and lots of different challenges along the way and different sizes of organization as well, which I think is, is interesting because trying to manage transformation in a, in a big sort of FTSE 100 is one thing, trying to manage it in a small sort of, you know, um, privately owned um, $100 million or $100 million pound turnover business is, is something entirely different. Um, so, yeah. So which do you prefer or which have you preferred? <laughs> it's a good question. Um, I. I actually really enjoy that sort of smaller, medium-sized business, the, the probably 50 to 200 million um, size. I think they're interesting for me because they're big enough that they've got a wide variety of, of, of problems or challenges or opportunities. So there's stuff to do, but but they won't. Um, and if they're they're small because they're, they're now growing and, and developing, they don't have huge teams of people there to ready to do it. They don't necessarily have all the processes in place. 
um, there's there's a lot of stuff which is working out as you go along. Um, so it's a little bit like the Wild West, but that's a very interesting place to be. And particularly any business that's growing fast is is really interesting to be in because so many different issues that come up there. One thing um, I've, I'm definitely not a, um, a sort of large ERP implementation type person, but I've worked on a couple of projects where that's been going on. And, it, and it's interesting because you, when you work in big companies, you, you take a, a big ERP system for granted. When you work in a company that's done everything with sort of QuickBooks and, and spreadsheets, and you start to grow and you start to want to mature in terms of how you want to see a PL, but you haven't got a PL, or you can't get one to hand. You've got to ask someone to specific, you know, specifically create that and show you that. It's 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 a very, very different way of, of working. All those things you take for granted in a bigger organization suddenly you haven't got. You've got to sort of really adjust your, your ways of working, I would say. Yeah, I tend to find it much more interesting working with those sort of mid-sized firms because you almost get to touch every part of the business don't you correct yeah um, yeah and, and and can have an influence and a more direct link with the senior team yeah and then you can typically do in a big blue chip global blue chip in particular um yeah it's fascinating and and as you say those fast growth businesses that just need to almost catch up with the people process technology before they can go on the next wave of growth yeah uh, yeah. they're, they're fascinating businesses just to stay with as well and, 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 and ride that wave with them almost. So um, <clears throat> change is constant, as we know, um, sort of competitive uh, conditions, market conditions, disruptive technologies are coming about every almost every bloody week now, aren't there? Something new is coming in and, and you're always conscious of organisations going after the next, the new shiny object or whatever. Um, but as we know, true change and true transformation is a process. So what do you do to go about sort of establishing the right conditions and then maintaining momentum, you know, to, to go through that sort of transformation phase? Yeah, I think there's a, there's a few things. I mean, it, it will obviously depend on every situation, every, every, different, every different client is, is different. But there's a there's a few different things. One of the things um, that uh, most people learn pretty early on is is you need to um, have the right relationships with your stakeholders, um, and, and you need the right support. So whatever else happens, you can't. It's hard to make this work from the bottom up. You need that support from the top down. Um, and I've seen cases where I was involved with a with a client a couple of years back um, on a on a big. Um, transformation program where they were going from very narrow distribution into something much wider to take an opportunity, take um, you know, take advantage of a specific um, change in legislation, and, and we're doing a lot of work towards that. And, and the program I was running to, to to run this transformation really became the cornerstone of the of the strategy for for 2020. Um, and I had um, the MD was was my sponsor. Who was fantastic because he, um, yeah, we spoke regularly. He gave me a lot of time, um, and he'd always. I, I said, "Look, I'm always going to be straight with you. I've, if we've got a problem, I'll, I'll never hide it. I'll be objective. I'll tell you what you know what's going wrong." And he said, "Look, and the other thing you must do is always tell me what you need me to do." So we'd almost stage manage our, our governance meetings, and it was um, it, 
you know, he'd always he'd always say, right, what what do you need me to do? Do you need me to to have a word or or, or say something or whatever? And that that when you've got that level of support, yeah. that is hugely important, I think, and it really helps other things to to work well. The problem is where you don't have that. And sometimes you just don't. Sometimes you've got a leadership team who expect things to happen without getting to involve themselves. And that that's a, a very different challenge. So that 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 requirement to have that sort of senior support, those stakeholders in place. Um, if you don't have it, I think it's a question of of you know, you don't want to be the, the boy who cried wolf, but you've you've got to call out where things are a problem. So communication, influencing, all those relationships, your credibility going in, you, you you've got to really, I think, pick your battles and communicate well. But but you need people to take it seriously if they want it to happen. So so that's probably one. I think on that, the um, the added complication is where you've got um, a leadership team that um, a percentage of them don't necessarily agree with what you're attempting to do or driving forward, and and there's and there's that sort of breakdown in the in in the in the leadership team ultimately that. The transform the program, the transformation program is really putting a, a, a light, shining a light on that discord. Really, uh, that that can be really challenging. I find from uh, yeah, definitely. There's 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 a I think there's a classic stakeholder mapping exercise about the people that that you know understand and support, and the, at the other end, the people who don't understand, don't support, and various different things. But actually, the the, the hardest people are the people who understand what you're trying to do but don't support it. Okay. Um, and and the, I remember learning this years ago was our natural tendency is to spend time with the people who understand and support because that's nice and easy and you know they'll they'll sort of um, yeah it, it all feels quite nice warm and friendly but actually you've got to really focus on who are those problem stakeholders so um, and there might be good reasons why they don't support it but you've got to spend time with them and really understand what their objections are make sure they understand what you, what it is you're trying to do and why um and 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 work on that because there might be very um genuine um objections that you're not going to overcome so you just need to mitigate um and put a plan in place but i think that that whole sort of stakeholder understanding stakeholder engagement pieces is, is probably one of the one of, one of the key things the other thing i i find them um, i'm as i said i, I sort of trained um, as a project manager you know many years ago um I, i'm not a um I, i'm not someone with loads of post nominals and, and qualifications here I, I know a reasonable amount about a number of different methodologies but i'm not a i'd like to think i'm not a slave to to any of them um and i think some people can be and get very driven by methodology i i always find and again, coming back to this point about get good people into the business, give them direction and, and then almost just support them to do what they need to do. Again, the, the sort of approach to planning um, is, I, I think, needs to vary with each um, with each challenge. And, and it, sometimes you'll go in and, and you know, you'll, you'll be very clear about, you know, I think certainly when I was less experienced, I'd, I'd be very clear on this is how we need to do this. This is the plan. It, and, and you've got to adapt and, and see what works. And, and actually, the governance structures you put in place might not work. So change it. If it doesn't work, there's probably a reason why it doesn't. Um, the way you're doing planning or communication might not work. So again, you know, maybe change that. Um, so I think the sort of 
flexibility of approach without wanting to be too chaotic. I think there's a balance in there that 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 actually you can't control every single aspect. Um, just try and fit the most, work out the most appropriate way of doing things. Stick with that. Don't be afraid to change it um, if it's not working. And um, yeah, try and try and get that balance right, really. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, the, the two, I, I've seen um, examples where the two areas that we've just been talking about, the governance and the, and the stakeholders, one's caused problems with the other, uh, for the other. So by being yeah. too prescriptive on the governance, it, can, it, it has actually inflamed situations with the core stakeholders that actually one of the core issues that they've had was around the governance process rather than about what we're trying to do. Yeah. Um, and by breaking that down and as you say exploring what the challenges are what the misunderstandings are what the issues are in terms of in terms of uh, what, what we're trying to do within the program once you understand it you can do something about it yeah sometimes as you said you never go turn them around and then you've got to manage that process in a different way but as if you if you understand what the issue is or understand what their concerns are you then have got an opportunity to do something about it. And, and that's, 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 that's all you can expect at this stage, isn't it? Absolutely, So, um, and, and, and I was going to say change is always stressful, um, um, but then I'm, I, I, I realized I was talking to a military person, so <laughs> change in, a, in an organization can't be as stressful as being out there and, and, and you know, guns being pointed at you, et cetera, et cetera. But it is, it, people find it stressful, uh, you know, it can be stressful running a, a big change programme, but it is often very stressful for people that are going through that change. What type of things do you do to, to mitigate that? And, and, and from, on your own side, what do you, what do, you do to, to manage your stress levels? I think, um, so firstly, if I'm talking about, I think it's really important to remove stress from, a, from the the transformation or from the change and particularly for the for the key people involved i think you you know what i try and do is always put myself in the position of the of the key people understand their workload their stresses their you know how they're what what's the impact of the change on them and i think typically in any in any organization that's going through something fairly significant you've always got that sort of half dozen key people who are the, the maybe the single points of failure that, that just are getting stretched to, to the max. And it, it, it's, for me, there's a couple of things there. You know, it, you, people need to understand the, the, the risks around humans, um, that, that so-and-so might be able to take on 150% of their normal workload for a time, but they come, it comes at a risk and it comes at a cost. Um, the quality of the work might reduce. You might they might burn out and 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 you know and and really have a problem. Um, you they might decide that it's frankly not worth it and 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 leave. And and beyond anything else, it's not really the right thing to do to people. Is is to ask them to do that. Now we all have periods where we're we're you know working far beyond the max or beyond the normal. But I think understanding that side. And the other side is is. Um, trying to protect people and, and do that in a couple of ways. One, one thing I, um, I am really very keen on is that people play to position. Um, so people know who does what. Um, 
we all have opinions we all like to share our opinions but but let's not it's one of the most stressful things when somebody is a busy has a lot of difficult work to do but they also don't know who to listen to because they've got five different people telling them what to do i i tend to to push back pretty strong on that um and and you know tell people leave them alone this is what they've been asked to do leave them to get on with it make sure they've got the right support and um I think if, if if people have that, then you've 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 got the best chance of getting them through it in in one piece. Um, but that's not easy, and often you see that that that, that yeah, people are not well managed like that. Personally, um, always helps to have a plan. Always helps, you know. That it might have been the best time to do something two weeks ago, but the second best time is right now. So try not to procrastinate or put things off, and 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 you know have that prioritized process whether it's you know you it's on paper it's something more formal or it's just in your head you know what what are the key things you need to do today um to make sure that things work um and don't be afraid to change things if it's if it's not working um but otherwise i mean good good honest relationships with people always helps yes. sometimes the ability to have a, a robust conversation where you let somebody tell you if it's all you know if it's if it's all going wrong and what they think about it that's that's good you've, you've you've got to get down to the human level and really understand how people are feeling about it i think brilliant thank you and and we're coming towards the end now we we, we tend to end these uh, podcasts with a sort of summary of what's the one thing what's your sort of non one non-negotiable um that you, you know, absolutely need to have in place um, for a program to be successful Difficult bringing it right down to one, isn't it? But um, people cheat at times and give me two. Well, I, I, I'm going to give you a big catch-all thing, which covers a lot of different things. But it's all about leadership um, for me. Um, and and what I mean by that is you need. Uh, so as a you know, as I said, leadership I, for me is setting that clear direction, a clear and compelling vision of the future, yeah. um, and then and then making sure you've got the right people involved and bringing them with you. And how you bring them with you, as I said, you know, some of it is about giving them that direction, letting them do what they're best at doing, um, not interfering too much, not being afraid to change if, if things go wrong. But I think if you can do that, you've, you've got the best chance of, of success. I think it's where leadership is, is lacking. Um, and there may be people who have leadership titles, but who do not act as leaders. Um, where, where generally you've got a problem and I think if you've got that in place there will always be things that go wrong there'll always be things that change and you'll have challenges along the way but I think if you have that strong leadership from the start you can you can probably ride most of the bumps and, and, and come out with a successful conclusion yeah and as you say if they've got that absolute compelling vision and maintain that absolute focus um yeah it's um it, it's it's a, a strong baseline then isn't it on which to build you absolutely yeah it's the foundation yeah absolutely well thanks a lot david that was really great um a, a fascinating, fascinating discussion for what 35 minutes or so um we occasionally get questions asked so if i've collated them are you uh, happy if i pass them on to answer them to listeners that uh, put anything through yeah of course i'll do my best so um yeah no problem at all super well thank you very much thank you it's been a pleasure david Thank you so much for joining me today. 
There have been so many things that we have covered that are relevant to organisations and people undergoing change and transformation right now. Your focus on engaging with those stakeholders that may not be fully on board is something that many will take away from the session. The Transformation Leaders Hub is a community exclusively for those working in change and transformation. This exclusive peer group community offers unparalleled access to networking and career opportunities, as well as the latest industry news and insights. So whether you are looking to enhance your reputation, expand your network, or attract your next job opportunity, TLH is the ultimate resource. So check it out today. Bye for now.